0: Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the ColdFusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die CFML News Edition Podcast, January 2020. I'm Gavin Pickin, and to my. Uh... Left. Where are There's you, Brad Wood? <laughs> what? What? You stole my seat, Brad. What the heck?
1: <laughs> you, you got up to get snacks, man, and I, I, I nabbed it.
0: You yep. see as you lose. Too funny. So, uh happy New Year, everybody. Uh, we're back
1: another year. Are so. we back in black? Oh, I think I already made that joke. Dang it! I hate, <laughs> I, I hate it when I recycle my own jokes. Yeah, I'm wearing blue, so. <laughs> sorry for that i'm wearing a mirror shirt so so much for this being an artist podcast oh uh, all good oh all good you know so, you give me a free shirt at a conference i wear it i'm a simple guy you know what and to be honest
0: the the shirts are getting bitter like the the stuff we're getting from them are much better quality and they're actually really comfortable and you know my yeah, like favorite the, the, shirt the soft,
1: stretchy ones yeah
0: yeah the the fish shirts are so comfortable oh. the new one and the old one i i love those shirts uh, so yeah, i'm wearing them nice. with pride because they're they're really top quality shirts so wearing <laughs> it with pride yeah well i earned that, that my full pull request
1: <laughs> nice so uh we haven't had a, a podcast since like last year or did we did we do one yeah last year it's been a while holy cow <laughs> man i have not done it since in like 2019
0: how <laughs> right. well, a you digit up there 2020 it's so weird right now but uh But luckily, um, everything keeps moving. Um, Although, wait, before I get into it, I guess the first news item should be, you remember how Y2K was like an awesome, huge uh, blow-up, letdown? Oh, yeah. So I guess 2020 was a big blow-up because everybody in 1999 said, hey, if it's year 0 to 19, just assume it's 2019 or 2010. (laughs) And so 2020 came up and everything went back and it screwed them up
1: oh, i hadn't i hadn't read any of that that's hilarious apparently
0: it was messed up a whole bunch of video game servers like online streaming oh servers gosh. and stuff so 2020 actually hurt way more than two y2k that's everybody the one took,
1: that n- nobody looked out for
0: yeah because they just put in this 20 year little fix hot fix and, forgot <laughs> and, they, about and it. they think
1: there's no way my code will be around in 20, 20 years, years? Mm-hmm. you know y2k was so big i wrote a song about it and i played it in the talent show at college um called the y2k song it was it was a big hit at the time everybody loved it uh yeah but of course the day after y2k when nothing happened it was like ah whatever
0: yeah but that's <laughs> funny yeah y2k was huge i should huge uh, i flop, should
1: remix but... that and put that out on like soundcloud and make like a 2020 edition of my y2k song
0: yeah so it I was just...
1: it was like ray stevens meets i don't even know what <laughs>
0: I just think it's hilarious that, yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, that code will be running in 20 years. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's what you so, thought. You
1: know, I, one of my favorite quotes says something like, the problem with quick and dirty is the dirty remains long after the, the quick has been forgotten.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I should probably get that on a T-shirt. My old boss, uh, me and Ismae used to work together, and that was his catchphrase. Oh, I just need something quick and dirty. Quick and dirty. <laughs> quick and dirty. <laughs> Quick and dirty. There's yeah. never
1: joke hiding in there somewhere, but I'm gonna leave it.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, so um so news and events, uh since the start of the year there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, news, but we'll go over some quickly. So um Vicky's been posting more uh more videos to YouTube from uh, CF Summit 2019 in Las Vegas. So, uh, I now joined the Elite group. So my, my videos up there and so is, uh, George Murphy's. So, so far I see about 16 episodes or sorry, sessions, I guess, up there on the playlist. And we have links to the, the blog post about it, including, um, Facebook and YouTube links, um, and then all the slides as well. So if you're watching the sessions, the slides are all available on coldfusion.adobe.com. But I went there today and there were some issues with their API by the look of it, and nothing is loading, nothing is searching.
1: Wah, wah. Sad so,
0: so, yeah, by the time you listen to this later, you should better get to it. So, um, But, yeah, so all those sessions are up, and I actually want to go through a few more of the ones that I, I did miss and, and watch some of them. So, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, Yep. Yeah. Pretty cool, you say. Uh, pretty as cool, cool as Y2K. Oh, cooler. Y two K, yeah, it was funny because uh, just just a side note back to that again since you mentioned it. So I was a uh, downtown at a big party with a, a huge park downtown Auckland, and so it was a Auckland. huge out, outdoor concert, probably like sixty, eighty thousand people in this park or whatever. And of course, the first thing that happens, what does everybody do at midnight? They, you know, they they happy New Year and kiss somebody for good luck or whatever, and then they call oh. people. And so they picked up their phones and called, but guess what happened? The cell service is not available right now because everybody was calling the exact <laughs> same coming. time, and they well, the slammed of the network. Exactly. So the the biggest Y two bug that I faced was uh, overload because people were trying to call everybody <laughs> <laughs> from the one location the cell towers can handle it. So that's pretty funny. But anyway, so talking about next decade, so twenty twenty, uh. Uh, we actually have Rakshif doing a, a webinar this month, this next week, I believe next Friday, uh, the 16th, is it? No, it's Thursday. So next Thursday, the 16th, uh, Rakshif is going to do a presentation all about the Buzzworthy ColdFusion 2020. So. You know,
1: now it is officially 2020. Is it, is it fair to start asking Adobe like, so when's it going to release? I mean, it's 2020. Come on. It's yeah. taking so long. Yeah, exactly. We can try. <laughs> I
0: think with 2018, it was released uh, in August, two months before Sea of Summit, or something like that. August, or it was right before Sea of Summit, and we thought they were going to make the big announcement at Sea of Summit, but they did it right before it. So um, I'll be surprised if it's much earlier in the middle of the year. But I don't know, considering that you still haven't been invited to the the early.
1: <laughs> Um, the pre-release. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want me in there. Probably that dude, (laughs) that dude complains all the time. I know that dude's like, excuse me and Lucy, this works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it sounds like a, you should have a good webinar there talking about, um, you know, how they're going to go forward. Um, you know, moving on the vision for 2020 and I said, I'm really curious how they're going to, you know, look at the cloud stuff. Cause they keep talking about not getting locked into a particular cloud vendor. So I wonder if that means they're going to, you know, create and, you know, tools that are, you can just choose your provider and you don't have to worry about if it's S3 or, you know, Google cloud or, or whatnot, you just choose a provider and then it'll figure it out behind the scenes. I'm
1: kinda I mean, curious. you know, I'm, I'm curious about that as well. I mean, it's hard to tell exactly what the cloud strategy is from Adobe. Um, you know, a lot of times you kind of, they sort of talk about it in very broad strokes. Um, I mean, if they can just support like basic things like Docker, you know, Docker, Docker images, you can like stick that almost anywhere. Um, I mean, the issue with any like super specific integrations you do with like one provider is always that, you know, in like two or three years, they're on like, you know, version seven of their API, you know, stuff changes. So I'm a little leery of anything being baked into the core engine, as far as being super specific to a provider. But you know, making the runtime small, making it easy to deploy, making the license friendly, you know, making Docker containers, which are kind of a standard thing that you can stick anywhere, AWS, DigitalOcean, whatever. I think that's the best approach. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see exactly what they have in mind.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I'm, I'm curious for sure uh, to see what they're gonna do there. But uh, I guess we'll see. I and mean, so next Thursday, um, I just posted the link in the chat for you guys. Um, you know, it
1: would be you know, it would be ideal is if they just drop their Docker images and tell everybody to just go use the Ordis ones. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> that's not going to fly. But <laughs> uh, the uh, the uh, the Adobe. I was actually I was looking at the stats um, this week from. Oh, you did you didn't include this tweet, did you? I mean, yes, I did, but you can you can oh. still
0: talk about Jeez. it.
1: <laughs> so I, was, I was kind of comparing the, the Ortis Docker images, which of course being, you know, part of Team Ortis, I'm always partial to those. Uh, so the state of the CF union survey, which is about time to be working on that again for this year. Um, from last year, I was looking through the numbers of, you know, who uses Docker and they use the Lucy image, do they use the Adobe image, do they have a custom image, do they run Adobe on command box image, do they run Lucy on command box image. Um, and it was really kind of interesting looking at the... Uh, at just the differences. Uh, I was surprised by how many people run a custom image, like 30% of people using Docker at a custom image. Now, what I'm curious is if that means they extended the official Lucy image or the uh, the Ortis image and then just built three on, on top of it, which I mean, every, everybody customized their images. But anyway, we'll be. I, I can talk more about those stats when we get to my tweet, but. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not sure.
0: The, the the more you talk about it, i wonder if it was a, a different tweet because now you're talking about command box but maybe it was. Uh, i was
1: just talking about the uh well i was my tweet that i was thinking of is the one regarding uh the percentages of people using command box for local dev and for docker okay um, yeah
0: that's that's what i did tweet
1: right, cool yeah cool <sighs>
0: So as I said there's not a whole lot of news but we have one more thing. So um uh, Michael uh, Michael Bourne and myself were talking this morning and uh we're we're talking about the coding challenge that we'll discuss later in this show. But um we have an idea for some more live coding. So if you guys liked um Michael's um tweet, uh not tweet, sorry his stuff on Twitch uh he he did a little survey of his followers and found out that 100% of the people said that rather use YouTube. <laughs> 100%. It was 100%. One viewer. No, there was more than that. It was at least double digits. <laughs> but so I've I never
1: used Twitch. I'm, I'm familiar with it. I've never done anything with it yeah so i mean he
0: wasn't you know for or against it and he just wanted to see what people wanted but more people have youtube accounts so they can get in and comment and stuff you, you know you have uh, to sign up to can twitch. you can you
1: view a live a twitch stream without an account but you just can't comment
0: exactly you have to uh, sign I mean, up because to youtube's comment. the
1: same way you can't comment unless you're logged in but, but that's kind people. of a com- common denominator and of course since google you know owns youtube um you know it's, it's almost anybody has a gmail I saw an interesting video on YouTube, actually, just last night. And it was like the top 10 sites on the Internet starting in like 1996. It was one of those like animations that shows the bar mm-hmm. graphs that shrink and grow over time. Yep. You know, when it started out in AOL, it was just like, boom, forever. You know, and the next closest was like Yahoo or something. And eventually, like Yahoo grows and AOL shrinks. So then eventually you see Google come on and like, tick, 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 tick. you know, all the way out. Um and I was I was trying to figure out what year YouTube uh, Google had bought YouTube because YouTube kind of hangs out in the bottom of the graph and starts getting bigger and bigger and then it really starts blowing up. I figured that's probably about the time that Google started dumping money into them as well.
0: Yeah. I remember working on some um stuff back in 2005-2006 where youtube wasn't very big at all but i think it must have been about 2007 2008 it took off because a lot of the you know those fun funny sites were out there I had a couple of customers that actually had just tons and tons like, of video content remember
1: like ebombs world that's yeah. where you had to go to get like memes and videos back before youtube
0: yeah and that's that's the type of stuff i actually had a guy um in he was in north carolina that we worked with and he had a a a huge site and we had like a whole array of servers just for his video content because the the bandwidth they use was ridiculous and so you know he had like rackspace servers for all the good CoFusion stuff (laughs) and then we had a whole bunch of cheaper linux servers with decent bandwidth but we had all this multitasking to like you know route them to different video servers so we didn't like max out the the bandwidth usage and stuff i mean well it was crazy
1: kind of like napster the glory days of youtube was back before the uh copyright lawyers got involved (laughs) and it just had like full episodes of like everything you can imagine and then when the lawyers got involved that that all went away pretty quick yeah now everyone (laughs) just watches everybody else play video games on it so they just (laughs) uh and you watch like 17 ads per video good times yeah we should we should put ads in the middle of our podcast except we could do it like ben shapiro where you just we just work it right in you'd be like talking about your impending doom let's talk about your life insurance and we just like just inject it right in
0: <laughs> well that's kind of what we do anyway we kind of talk about our conferences and our trainings and everything so a lot of this is just a, a straight-up advertisement for ourselves but I guess we could we could throw You're on not some others supposed
1: other stuff. to admit that Gavin they yeah. come for the friendly banter and the devilishly handsome good looks come on
0: yeah but anyway, so, so me and Michael, will be um, starting this new live coding series. And we're going to sort of try and do it peer programming style live on YouTube. But what we're going to do is actually going to build a Forgebox package to help you, uh, to that you participate in the monthly code challenge. So we Wait, thought, so
1: you guys doing your live streams like simultaneously?
0: Well, we're, what we're thinking is we'll just do it similar to what we're doing here. We're going to like, you know, use VS codes, uh, code cheer. You'll be we'll, at the
1: same virtual desk,
0: the same virtual oh. desk using YouTube to stream it, but we'll use zoom to, to talk to each other while we're doing it. And then we can, you know, That's basically stream cool. out. And that way, you know, one of us can talk more while the other one types because it's really hard to type and talk meaningful <laughs> about what you're doing. So we thought it might be <laughs> interesting. Your actually voice like it.
1: trails off and you're like, I'm sorry, what was I saying?
0: Yeah, especially when you're like messing something up. But one person can look up something while the other person's doing it. Um, but anyway, but the, the whole idea is that um, we want to build this little module that you can basically go, you know, install it from ForgeBox and run it. And then you can do the code challenge inside of it. And so I'll I'll tell you a little more as we get to the coding challenge and what my idea is. But so we're going to try and do that. But yeah, so we're aiming for Wednesdays at 7 p.m. starting on... uh, Eastern. Yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. And we're probably going to start like January the 15th, which is next Wednesday. So we thought we'd uh, try and do that. That was Michael's normal schedule. So I'm just sort of going to take over and harass him and join his, his live stream. But I thought it'd be fun so we'll find out more about what we're building a little later on
1: sounds like something i can get behind yeah
0: sounds cool all
1: right conferences
0: yep so into the boss 2020 uh the big announcement there is that we have um our super early bird tickets are now available um so super. so if you guys are crazy enough and loyal enough to buy your tickets without knowing what workshops and what speakers are going to be there you can get a 200 dollars off our all-access pass um, and then obviously, you can select your workshop once the schedule is posted. It's
1: all going to be good. You know it.
0: Yeah. See, Brad can talk about anything. You can pay him just to speak all day. It might I be can that talk way, about actually. YouTube.
1: Oh, <laughs> so me. Yeah. All right. And our call
0: for speakers is
1: still open, right?
0: Yep. We have about uh, one more week, I believe, left on that, mm. too. So if you guys haven't submitted them, please do. We don't want to miss out on all this great content. Um, so yeah, papercall.io Here's slash ITB 2020. And then, yeah. Are you posting the link? Is it actually showing up?
1: Um, I don't know. Do you see it? I didn't I'm see logging it. I'm, this myself today. I'm
0: refreshing it to see. Just to make sure. Nope, I don't see your
1: post. So. I'd gotten
0: moderated. Yep, Brad's moderated. <laughs> He's not allowed to post. I guess all YouTube doesn't me.
1: like it when you put a bunch of links in the chat. They think you're a spam bot. Yeah. Do you see my link? I guess yeah. I'll post some links today. Yeah. So. I see your link. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think, I think YouTube is just calling me spam. Yeah, probably.
0: Um, so the workshops are not decided yet, Adrian. Um, we're going to finalize that. <clears throat> and we actually had a couple of community members uh, mentioned that they'd like to do workshops. And so usually we have, uh, you know, three or four of them, um, you know, three or four of them from um, artists. And then we like to have a couple options. I know that uh, the preside guys did one one year and uh, Pete there's obviously done a couple of his security workshops there too. So um, right now we're still deciding, and um, we should have that summed up pretty soon. But there'll probably be like an API one. There'll probably be um, you know a command box or a Docker one or something like that. Um, but yeah, if you guys want anything, tell us in the chat what you guys want to go to, and then uh, we'll we'll put it in the our discussion. But we're hoping to decide that pretty soon. And the, like I said, the call for speakers should be done the end of next week or middle of next week. It's, I said January 15th so you got about a week so submit your entries and uh you know like remember if you're a speaker we we do cover your uh your entry to the conference um and you get uh to share a shared hotel room as well so um that's one of the perks of being that we don't cover your travel sorry but um yeah if, if you are wanted to speak uh submit it and we'll make our decision shortly we'll hope to get that schedule out by the end of the month at the latest everybody can get everything booked but you know it's going to be great so
1: it's gonna be great what's our our theme is uh is back to the future this year right back to the future yep we have a
0: a pretty cool um design on the on the web page if you go into the oh, box yeah, oh, we've got the delorean
1: Deloreans yep. aren't trademarked are they i don't know but it's, i guess it's, we're not actually using the phrase back to the future anywhere on our site nope we just happen to have a delorean picture that just happens to have fire trails behind his tires yep. total coincidence total No relation coincidence. to any movie rights owned by <laughs> any particular. Yep.
0: yep. But I heard Luis making some sneaky, sneaky plans around the conference. So I'm curious what he's going to do. Oh, Oh. So I don't know if you know or not. And if I'm allowed to say or not, so I'm just going to have to say, we'll I'll have to announce it later. So I have to announce it later. I'll have to check David. Uh, Living wants a
1: happy box workshop.
0: Well we get it your own happy box session it's not an all day event but it's an all night event so <laughs> get some uh, tacos snacks and uh, a few drinks and mariachi is that's always a lot of fun um <laughs> and Adrian says you can't, <laughs> you can't trademark physics I don't
1: know if I'd call it physics but yeah. sure
0: so yeah um so again that's uh into the boxes in may sixth to the eighth twenty twenty in Texas, uh, it'll be in the Woodlands, uh, right outside of uh, Houston. And if you guys um, want to see what we had last year, the 9- 2019 videos are available for sale. There's a package on Vimeo you can get as well. But there's other great conferences around. Uh, the, these are the ones we know the dates of. So Brad's favorite Dev Nexus in uh, Atlanta. Yep, Luis and I already signed up so february 19th 21st if you guys are there reach out to us and uh you know maybe you guys can hang out with brad and Luis. and um,
1: no I, we always run into old cold fusion guys there but we we rarely run into people still doing cold fusion so well we hopefully some
0: hopefully some fresh blood can get there i mean there's a lot of great content there right i mean
1: oh yeah i mean Luis and i go be, just to keep tabs and just the entire java ecosystem which you know we live inside of there's all sorts of Tooling, we want to see what the package managers are doing, we want to see what the cloud offerings are doing. You know, they've got all sorts of cool stuff. And it's not just a Java conference, they have all kinds of you know, generic stuff. They have like 13 tracks or something at Dev Nexus. So 13. That's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, while the 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 focus is Java, there's all kinds of um of good stuff there, just kind of keeping up with what's going on and, and I, of course I, we do java development at Ordis to a degree uh for our lucy extensions and things so
0: yeah and it's pretty cool too i know you said you saw some of the other languages and some of the other frameworks and how they do things you're like oh, it's way easier in cold fusion
1: <laughs> yeah i went to like uh what was it it was uh say groovy or something no it wasn't spring boot it was skull was it was the play framework Oh, Went to okay. some session on like the on like the play framework or something, and I am sitting there thinking, like, oh man, ColdBox does this way better. You guys are killing me. You know, <laughs> they had to like manually declare like every single route. I am like, come on, guys, conventions, we're kicking yeah. your butt over here. Um, but the sad thing is, everybody at the conference is all Java developers. And they're like, oh, this looks amazing. I'm like, come <laughs> on, people, CFML.
0: Yeah, it's always fun. Cool. Well, ViewConf is going to be in uh, Austin Convention Center, March second through fourth. So uh, Austin is a pretty happening place this year, it seems, because not only we have ViewConf, which is uh, for Vue.js lovers out there, DockerCon 2020 is going to be there in June as well. So a lot going on. Yep. Yeah, might have to get my frequent flyer miles uh, topped up and make a few trips to Austin think, this uh, year. I think Sam
1: Knowlton's couch is, is free for anyone who just wants to come in. Don't even knock. Just let yourself in. That's the rumor <laughs> I'm starting.
0: Yep. Sounds pretty good. So he's he's gonna pull his, his Patreon support. I better stop. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, some a lot of a lot of good stuff there. So so next we have blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So you mm-hmm. wanna tell us about this first one here?
1: I don't know, I haven't read through the notes yet. Oh. Uh, we have one from Pete Freitag, searching for files by name on Mac or Linux. Interesting. Yep. So
0: yeah, so he's got it's a
1: bash. Mm-hmm. A bash tip here. Yeah, it's oh, got a bunch of different commands. ones
0: because obviously they work on the Mac as well as Linux. But you know, he's talking about using find and grip and stuff like that. So you know, just little hints and tips. But uh, I like
1: Pete's stuff. You know, he breaks it down, make it real simple. Um, yeah, I can I can never remember the syntax for find. Whenever I'm I I jump onto a Linux box and I'm trying to think like, oh, where do I have that one you know config file stored? And I can never remember. I have to Google it. This yep. is a nice little reference. Now, I do love grep all the time. Of course, Command Box has its own uh, its own grep equivalent, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Sam. It's yep, kind of so talent. Sam
0: said, as long as you don't mind a baby throwing blueberries at you, our, co- our couch will hold two to three programmers. It's <laughs> uh, a big couch. So
1: I hope is, we got a lot of is Sam the one throwing the blueberries? I, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, my. Uh, well, this is good. Yeah, I like these little uh, bash things. So, yeah, there's nothing really uh, confusion about Peach Post, just a nice little uh, bash uh, yep. trick.
0: Yep. And so um, Ben Nadal's been busy, uh, as usual. Uh, he's got quite a few blogs this week. But um, the first one is, oh, 2.3 programmers, not two or three programmers. Sorry, Sam. I was thinking it's a big couch.
1: Well, Gavin counts <laughs> for one and a half, so. The- yep. It adds up some way or another.
0: <laughs> so um one of Ben's blogs this week was snapshot shot cold fusion component state in order to find memory leaks. So he um mm. he was listening to our podcast and you were talking about As he should. Yeah, talk about the singleton um uh leak, singleton leak detector. Leak detector. Sorry, and for a minute there I lost my I lost my brain. But um so, yeah, so obviously that's built for cold And so he decided to, you know, look at what you were doing. And he he's, he said you built a very <laughs> elegant, uh, solution. And oh, so he gee, wanted to, thanks. so he wanted to try that with some old ColdFusion fusion apps that have no framework, let alone ColdBox. box. So, mm, so you, you know what the takeaway
1: is from this, Gavin? Use cold <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The takeaway is if he was using cold it would have been install single delete detector, enter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i know ben he he likes to do stuff just for the fun of learning it so yeah it's always it's always valid use case that's yep. pretty he's, cool though
0: yeah so he's shows him working
1: through that with this old app and you know i yeah, guess he had he had popped up on twitter and i'd sent him some links to where all the, the code was for the singleton leak detector module and kind of you know what it did and i think uh just reverse yep. engineered it all that's pretty sweet
0: yep and then, uh, since the start of the year, we have a Terratech blog post about three steps to establish a reliable recovery plan for your next Cold Fusion project. Uh, and the catchphrase I read on Twitter was, backups and recovery plans are the fire extinguishers of the tech world. If you need one, you better hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is so true. <laughs> I know we've probably all dealt with that, but <clears throat> I always, at the start of the year, I always think, oh, I should probably... You know, make more backups, or do this, or do that. And yeah, like, and nobody nobody tests disaster recovery until they need it. Yeah, I used to test stuff, um, but when I needed it, my tape backups on my old server
1: like ten years ago did not work. <laughs> oh my gosh! Need the chaos uh, monkey mm-hmm. to come in and just randomly take down servers to so see if they see if it works. Yeah. What company was it? that had the chaos monkey. Was that Netflix? Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, cause they would like test their their backup infrastructure on a like, regular basis they had this Not server even backup,
0: just, just the general stuff just failover
1: yeah just yeah. failover stuff they would yeah. just randomly kill services um just to prove that the failure stuff would failover stuff would kick in automatically and
0: then the, your stream would be smart enough to pick up the, a new server and continue watching your you know yeah your inappropriate show for work time it's so a bad breaking bad in the middle of the work oh. day but uh <laughs> but yeah so um that was an interesting post and just one of those things. The start of the year, you probably want to look at, you know, to rethink if you're planning goals and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Make a make a recovery plan and, you know, check your fire extinguishers work. We checked off smoke alarm yesterday. They work. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> cooking bacon. Just glad they're not
1: going off in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> oh we have some more from ben here uh depth first versus breadth first tree traversal using the while loop and lucy cfml 5.3.3.60 that's just like a big old mouthful
0: well he actually had two or three so what he was doing was he was doing a recursive um recursive function (laughs) and he decided to replace that the depth first recursion with a breadth first while loop and then someone talked to him about depth versus breadth first breadth first And so he has two or three blog posts about the different ones here. So he had one about replacing the recursion with the while loop because he's like sometimes recursion just hurts my brain. So if I do a while loop, it's easy to you know like see it. <laughs> and, you know you can dump it out and and whatnot. So I like these blog posts because yeah you know sometimes you're just fighting something and the recursion's hard to debug sometimes. So oh, was- see
1: I was I was poking at Ben on Twitter because I think recursion's way easier and than he's making it out to be. And I, I swear, like what it came up with is probably twice as hard as recursion.
0: <laughs> Maybe <laughs>
1: again, Ben's the kind of guy that'll do stuff just to learn, which I can totally respect. Um, yeah. But I love recursion. I don't know. I think it's like, it's so simple and so elegant. Been, it like, is simple, elegant but stuff. But if
0: something breaks in it, debugging it can be tough. And
1: that's what he was trying to get at. It might be. I think, I think the problem, which is what Ben was talking about, is just visualizing. Because it, it, it's way easier to read through procedural code and just kind of imagine in your head because, you know, you have one kind of context, one set of variables, and you have a loop and things are mutating, and it's kind of <clears throat> straightforward. But when you deal with recursion, you have a function that calls itself, you know, in number of times, and, you know, the same variable exists in, like, multiple universes, if you will, and you have to, you know, imagine, like, okay, I process my siblings, and then I call myself to process my children, and that calls itself to process its children. So it can be, you know, harder to wrap your brain around. But my advice to Ben on Twitter was my personal trick for thinking through recursion is to not try to think of all the child calls and you call yourself and you call yourself, but just, you know, boil it down to what do you do at one level? And then like, that's all you think about. And, you know, when you call yourself again for, you know, the process, your children, or parents or whatever it is you're doing, you know, don't think about those. But anyway, it's, it's definitely an interesting uh, problem domain. I really like recursion for any kind of like, you know, nested, Uh, you know, data structures that you don't know how many many children levels there are.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You just want to, I mean, like you say, just having to think about a while loop within a while loop within a while loop. I mean, like if you've got a big browser, I mean, I'm sorry, a big window, you could get with all the tabbing in, but uh, it's pretty crazy when you got that much code too, like at least break them out into functions. Like if you're going to do that, you know, so it's not recursion necessarily, but (coughs) you can have functions to break it up, make it more readable, but these are really good blog posts though. I mean, if you guys do get a chance to go read through them and, you know, follow the logic and, you know, it might help you with some of your debugging too. So
1: definitely worth the read yeah I like this. He has some cool uh, like output that shows basically the order that it processes it in, which is kind of cool. yeah uh, so ben, I like it, Ben's debugging, you know I learn it, a lot from him. It'd be interesting to create like a visualizer that showed that. One of the coolest things I saw in college was a, a visualizer that would implement different sort algorithms and it would like visualize like bar graphs of different lengths that were being sorted and you could visually see them being put in the right place as the algorithm processed them. Hmm. It'd be interesting to see if you could do something similar. That dealt with you know recursive or iter- iteratively you know processing a deep data structure and somehow like visualize the order it was happening in, I don't know just a thought. I like I like I love visualizations that help you like think about what's going on with a complex data structure. Yeah, um, there were some really cool examples I saw of streams when Luis was working on the CB Streams project, where some people had made some really cool visualizations that showed like circles going through little pipelines that you know uh, represented the different uh, closures that were processing items. I like that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, I definitely like anything that can help me understand it better. I need the help.
1: <laughs> uh, John Farrar just asked in the chat, will you guys take speaker submissions with double speaker sessions? Do you mean one speaker doing two sessions or do you mean two speakers doing one session? I think it's the latter. I don't see why we wouldn't.
0: Yeah, just make a note in there if you're submitting it, John, that you'd like to have a,
1: a additional speaker to to help and who it is and why. And Wait a minute. Is the additional speaker one of those little like dummies that like, you know, your hand goes in and it's like you talk to yourself like during recursion. That's right, Bob. I'm gonna gargle this glass of water while you solve this coding problem. That would be awesome.
0: I was gonna say that would be an interesting <laughs> session. You <laughs> might
1: <laughs> <laughs> We'd accept that in a heartbeat.
0: Yep, for sure. <laughs> um two doing
1: one yeah so all right yeah just yeah. make a note of what you have planned i don't see why you wouldn't do that yeah i'm sure that we've the, done tag team sessions before i did a tag team session with hobby last year on forgebox enterprise
0: yep it's actually a really good way to get a new speaker into it too you know like give them a taste of the <clears throat> presenting about all the pressure and everything so so yeah just let us know john um you know we're, we'll look at all the options so so yeah, so here's this tweet from this guy Bradwood, the command box usage in last year's <laughs> State of the Union
1: survey. So you want to go into a little more detail here, or oh yeah, i uh, I know that the the last State of the CF Union survey results that came out several months ago, but I was just um, I was looking at some different stats of um, of command box usage, and it had kind of uh, what had kind of gotten me started was one of the fusion reactor engineers that sent me some statistics that they kind of just track internally of all the different uh, server installations that Fusion Reactor's running on. Um, and they had mentioned that Command Box was like the third most used server platform, yeah. according to our statistics, that you know, their Fusion Reactor customers are using, which is kind of cool. Um, and so Very I was cool. uh, I was digging through a couple of the graphs. Um, and so there was there was two of the graphs or questions on the state of a CF union survey from last year, that I assume will be on again this year. Um, and one was, what do you do for local development and so options were, you know, a handmade VM of, you know, of some kind, a, a local installation of uh, of Colfusion, a shared development environment, um, uh, command box, Docker, or Vagrant. Um, and so out of uh, the respondents, there was what 440 respondents to that question, I think. Um, what was it? Uh, 20% listed command box as uh, as what they use for local development, um, which was pretty cool. So that was like one in five. Uh, respondents to the survey, you always have to have a little asterisk. out of the, out of the subset of people who responded to the survey, uh, one out of five said they were using command box for local development, which I thought was pretty sweet. Um, and uh, also, well, let me go to the next question and I'll go back and I'll talk about how I think it's even a little bit higher in the previous one. Uh, one of the other questions was, we were talking about the Docker images, because Lucy has official Docker images that the Damien guys, or Damon saying it wrong, guys do, uh, Adobe has the official Docker images, and then Ortis has their Docker images. So like 30% of people have, they said they made a custom image, so I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, out of, there was a smaller number of people that replied to this question. So out of 129 people that said they were doing Docker of some sort, um, 14% use the official Adobe images, uh, compared to about eight and a half percent said they were using Adobe cold fusion on top of the Ordis command box image uh, there were 25 people 25% of the people said they were using the official Lucy images and right under that 23 plus chains uh, percent of people were using Lucy on top of the Ordis command box image so it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to see the breakdown um, the the orders image is almost as popular as the official Lucy image mm-hmm. uh, only about you know, half as popular as the Adobe image. I think there's a lot of people that are just going to use the Adobe one, probably regardless of, you know, we could ship like free puppies with the Ordis one. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people are going to use the Adobe one. Yeah. Um, but the the takeaways, if you add the the two things up, the number of people using Command Box, either for Adobe or Lucy, you get like almost 32%. So basically one in three people using Docker are using the, the Command Box based images, which is actually pretty cool. Cause that's, you know, it, I believe the question was specifically production. Uh, Docker deployments. Um, and so I'm curious in how many of the 30% of people who said they use a custom image, how many of them are actually using one of the other images and then just extending it and making their customizations. Um, yeah. And so taking that <clears throat> survey question with the previous one, uh, 12.7% of people said they were using Docker for local development. Um, if you assume the same breakdown of Docker, then in theory, a third of that 12% is probably using command box docker images for local development as well um so which is how i 24 then so that's much higher um yeah, yeah well i guess uh, the the original percentage was actually 17 oh. we, i get, get guessed about an additional three percent that are using command box inside of docker anyway gotcha. i mean th- these are all sort of funny numbers you know because out of the you know thousands and thousands of cold fusion developers we just get like a small percentage of people to come and fill out the survey um but it's 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 still fun just to see the numbers. Uh John Clausen and I were actually looking at the Docker Hub download statistics and the command box Docker image is what, like two hundred and forty thousand uh polls so far, and it was only at thirty thousand um at one of the recent into the boxes. Uh, and so the official Lucy images actually only have like oh crap, what is it again? Um, let me look at my uh, conversation I'd had because I don't want to misquote it. They, they had significantly less uh, pulls than the uh, than the command box one, which is, yeah, Lucy has 103,000 pulls on their official Docker image. And the, um, oh, here it is. I found the message that sent me. Yeah, so into the box 2018. So basically two years ago, the the Ordis command box images only had 30,000 pulls. And now we're uh, well over uh, 200,000 pulls. So now, had- unfortunately, I can't find any any numbers on um, Adobe's polls because they don't host theirs on Docker Hub. They have it on the JFrog uh, bin tray, like, artifact repository. Um, and JFrog has, like, tons and tons of statistics, like, pulls by day, by you name it, but they're all disabled for the Adobe repository. So there's no way to tell how many pulls on their images they have because uh, that's probably a slightly more... Uh, realistic number than, you know, just the people who come and respond to the survey. But it's really uh it's really fun to kind of see the the trends and some of these things over time. Overall, I'm surprised at how much Docker is picked up in the cold fusion community, but I think that's a really good thing. I think yeah. that shows a lot of push towards modernization.
0: Exactly. I think so too. And uh, Sam actually said that he doesn't remember what they replied to, but he thinks they said custom. And even though they're based on orders, so you might be right with that too, that a lot of the customs are building on top of, you know, one of the above. Um, yeah. So, and then John yeah. Farrar wanted to know where's the animated graphic to help us uh, understand and follow your stats, Brad. So that's your goal for Into the Box <clears> to have all these things animated
1: and just pretty <laughs> You know, see we don't have the data for it that would see that would be awesome to make a video that was like you know popularity of deployment methods over time the problem is just getting uh we need to get statistics need to do some stuff with the state oh, of the union on that note so if you go to docker hub and you look at, at any docker image like the orders command box image lucy official image whatever uh it'll just tell you like 100 or 200 Thousand plus no no once you get past a hundred thousand it just shows a hundred thousand plus until you make it all the way to like One million which really is like sucks But John and I found uh, an API endpoint you could hit that would give you like the actual number mm-hmm. and I told John um, But it only tells you the current number right jfrog actually has like way better statistics It's too bad adobe has them all turned off um, I told John we need to set up some kind of like scheduled task that yeah. like once a day we'll just go hit that endpoint from docker hub pull the you know the current number and just throw it in a database or something That'd so we can cool. actually like graph over time
0: does it graph by tags too is there any way to find that out
1: mm, i don't want to say no because i just barely glanced at the api the mm. number that i found was just a generic overall all-time download count for the entire thing which i assume is all tags because i'm curious um,
0: too like out fine. of that two it it'd be kind of nice to say oh how many are we having for the, the Lucy tag, Lucy five, you know? Yeah. I don't know Adobe. if they
1: track that. I'm just curious, but, but it, since they, since they don't really have much reporting that I could find in Docker hub, it'd be interesting to, to write something of ours that we stick out there in Jenkins or wherever and just like ping that number every day and stick it in. So we can actually try to like, see what the, what the deltas are. Um, I like yeah. data. Yeah. Too. In, um, input is my number six on strength finders. Remember I asked Ben if he had done strength finders? Yep. In- input is my number six, and that means you like data, statistics, numbers. You like to compile all that stuff and crunch it and get value out of it. I love that.
0: Cool. Okay. Okay,
1: well, enough about that and yep. my weird obsessions with statistics that involve command box. <laughs> yeah. And, uh,
0: ben also tweeted about writing individual files to zip virtual file systems. And he was saying mm-hmm. how it's way slower to add file by file instead of just zipping up a whole directory of files.
1: Yeah, so if you're not familiar with it, I think this may be a Lucy-only feature, I'm not sure. Um, in, in Lucy, at least, because I know I do it in the command box, you can use uh, file read and file write functions directly on a zip file, and you can reference files inside of the zip file. And so the syntax is, you know, path to my archive.zip exclamation point and then a relative path inside of the zip to the file you want. So for instance, I use this in command box to read the box.json file out of a package zip without having to actually unpack it into a temp folder. You can just do file read, you know, path to archive.zip exclamation point box.json. And it's a really handy uh, little trick to prevent you from the work of having to unzip it. But yeah, so what Ben was saying is that little trick, while handy, was quite a bit slower than just manually unzipping the, the zip file into a temp directory and what? then operating on it and rezipping it, which was kind of interesting. Huh. I'm not sure if Lucy actually implemented that or if they're just relying on some underlying, you know, Apache library that just does that out of the box. I'm, I'm half yeah. tempted to say that's just like an Apache library or something Lucy uses that makes that possible, but I've never looked at the code. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know.
0: Uh, I I mean, you work with Zips that much, but I guess it makes sense. Yep.
1: John Ferrar wants to know my top strengths. Communication, activator, input, relator, analytical, more or less. There you go, John. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's never done strength finders is like, what does that mean?
0: Yeah. I know. It's still on my to-do list. But, uh, so Ben had another blog post that's about struct iteration methods, like each map and filter and how they, uh, you know, how they deal with null values in Lucy. And so he was looking at some reflection style code and recursing through a structured data. And this is the one that started it all. <laughs> he wanted to, you know, see if how- Started it all. Yeah, how- um, It's
1: always like that, isn't it? You're like, you're looking at, at one thing and then you get sidetracked and everything. And you're like, wait a minute. And you're like, wait, is that a bug? And you're down in that rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, so he basically went through and, you know, wanted to look at each map filter, every reduce, et cetera, and Lucy and see how it handled null values. So was so.
1: he doing this with full null
0: support turned
1: on or off? Off, I believed. But I'm not sure. I know, I know that null support does change the behavior of some things. You know, for instance, uh, a, struct, uh, um, a struct value this null you know, is undefined, uh, typically, unless you have full null support, in which case null is, you know, a valid value. Um,
0: Yeah, so that one it was showing is null, so I don't know if he had null support on or not. But he has all the code there, so we just run it and see.
1: And he mentions this null value function. If you're an Adobe Fusion person, you might be scratching your head at this null value function. That's actually a Lucy specific function that's crazy handy if you wanna just create a null value. Um, I mean, you can do it by just creating a UDF that returns nothing and just calling it. Yeah. Uh, but null value is just a little nice built-in function Lucy has that just returns null, and so that's what Ben's using in this uh, in this test. But you won't find it in Adobe Cold I
0: thought he just written a function called you know null. That get... Nope,
1: that's actually a built-in. Yeah, uh, cool. it's nice. Ooh, and he's using arrow functions. He's still my beating heart.
0: <laughs> yep, we're we're converting him, modernize or die, uh, right, Ben?
1: <laughs> well, see, Ben jumped back in the CFML bandwagon, but he's all in Lucy now. So he's using the Echo function, right? If you're an if you're an Adobe mm. Cold Fusion user, what the heck is Echo? It's the same as write output; it's just less typing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
0: lots of little things like that. So yeah, so that was a good one. It was a, a shorter blog post, but still good. This see. is
1: incredibly short for Ben. I mean, like, did yeah. he? Did he like forget what he was doing and hit submit too soon? Usually well, he did more. write three
0: follow-up posts to it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. he, he was saving up for the follow-up. I can yep. get on board with that.
0: Yep. So um Paul Harris <laughs> Dick, um had a tweet as well saying 2020 is off to a good start. Did my very first production build using Bitbucket pipelines and get soon I'll have to throw in some test box tests from order Solutions. Um so yeah, so he's he's using Bitbucket pipelines and get to do some production builds and whatever. Pretty cool. So, good to see someone out there modernizing their stack.
1: And not dying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a Luis thing to say, isn't it? The- <laughs> We're all like, is this going to offend somebody? We're like, oh, who cares? <laughs> Too late. We already trademarked it. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. But because uh, someone had some feedback for the podcast name, it's like, yeah, you know, uh, the modernizer or die might make people uh, think it's a little too aggressive or you have to use cold box. Or we'll... <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, oh, well, it's, you know, we're just trying to modernize. You know, so everyone keeps
1: if, if the downside is someone uses cold box out of fear for their life. I fail to see the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what are you saying is the problem, man? <laughs>
0: Yeah. And then, uh, James Moberg had a blog post, um, saying he found a bug with the uh, Adobe Confusion's add column error. I guess if you're, um, you know, using query new, adding a column with a query add column, if you don't have the fourth parameter, it'll give you an error about the third one being invalid. <laughs> so it sounds like someone, uh,
1: added a parameter
0: and forgot to change the error message. <laughs> so
1: little validation people don't always test the validation that's kind of the the weird edge cases you know that don't always get eyes laid on them
0: yeah and then uh another tweet from a different poll um he says since i support cold fusion again i'm taking a closer look at command box cf config oh. from Water solutions yeah Known this about the guy the...
1: whose username is sysadmin spelled backwards oh yeah <laughs>
0: But yeah, so he was uh he's tasked with migrating this vagrant stuff to Docker, and he's finding all the tools that we've created useful. So he says, "Thanks, Brad and the team for the tools." So
1: yeah, I've harassed him for a while, I think, about Command Box on Twitter. I recognize his username.
0: Yep. And then we have uh, another blog post from Michael Bourne: Five Things He'd Like to Learn in 2020." So when why uh, not
1: twenty things? Come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, the five things he listed, there was a couple there. I was like. Really? Why? You know. So I read the, I went and read the blog post, and like oh, that makes sense because he was talking about you like learning Ant and Maven. I'm like, why would you want to learn Ant? But I guess, you know, one of his reasons was that Ant and Maven, a lot of stuff with Lucy is, you know, using that in the build tools and everything. So if he wants to contribute, you know, he's gonna have to get that up and running and stuff. And so you I'm don't like,
1: need Ant and Maven. You just need Command Box Task Runners, baby. Come on. Yep. Yeah, so,
0: but yeah, that's the a good blog post talks about fusion reactor and too. wanting to learn that learn more about content box as well and you know some some other things so it's a good little blog post and uh yeah i wonder what everybody else wants to learn this year so anyways next on our list is our coding challenge of the month i don't have a cool graphic for it yet but uh, I'll, I'll have to make one up here so for january 2020 you guys are going to help me because I love code wars code wars is a cool website where they have code card as little tests. Um And they've got little tasks. They you have like a little background story of what this function needs to do? And then basically you have to implement the function and then you run some sample tests against it to see if your test passed, then you you know, basically solve the solved it. And once you're ready, of like the
1: exorcism site.
0: Yeah, it probably is. Um And then, and then you can sort of run the tests and, the cool thing is, once you've run it, you know, you get to run against a bigger, um, test bank and make sure that all your tests pass. And then once that's done, then, um, you know, you get to see the solutions. So the cool thing is, once you've done it, the solutions are really unique. You know, a lot of people do one liners, they use, you know, uh, you know, all the object-oriented sort of functional programming style and they do it. All these different things that I'd never have thought of. So I always find it interesting. Our JavaScript uh, meetup uses the this as like a sort of a warm-up as part of our yeah. session. So are, the,
1: are the tests pre-written then?
0: Yeah, the tests are all pre-written, everything. Okay. Sounds uh, a lot like exorcism. Well, yeah, maybe I
1: need to check out exorcism. So um, I, I made the CFML track for exorcism because I'm curious of Code Wars if you have to rely on them to make it or if you can create it yourself. Because exorcism is all 100% like community-contributed and so once i got permission to get commit rights to the repo i basically created all the stuff for the cfml track um Um, but you have you know you have an existing set of failing unit tests a problem you know specification and you have to write code until all the tests pass uh the difference with exorcism is you get like review from a human who comes and like reviews your code uh, Um, that was their whole kind of angle on it
0: okay well the code (laughs) was one is um you know there's different levels so when you create when you add a um add a, a test to it or whatnot. There's different levels for it, and you can earn points. There's leaderboards and all the stuff, and they've got a whole bunch of different languages, but ColdFusion is not there. So our coding challenge for this month doesn't require any code. It requires you to do two things. So one of them is we want you to email info at codewars.com asking them to add CFML ColdFusion to the list of languages on their site. And we need you to cc me, gavin at ordersolutions.com so we know that you did it. And then we also want you to tweet, um, basically saying, I love code Wars, but when will it be adding CFML to Fusion to the list of languages? Modernize or die, you know, order
1: solutions. I'm looking on uh, their site. Fusion. I don't see like a, a link anywhere that says like, you know, don't see a language you want added, you know, click here or something.
0: Yep. So I just thought the we'll heck? ask everybody to email and tweet and, you know make a little noise about cold fusion and see what they've done. I've emailed them about it uh, as well today. Some hopefully, you know, I told them that we have our own CLI and our own test suite and everything. And that we're, you know, we want to get it added. So I thought if we make a little noise here, maybe you guys can, uh, do those, do those steps. I said, email them and, and tweet about it and then see if that makes a difference. See if we can get added to that. So that was, um, really
1: cool. I like their, uh, I like their little testimonials they have on the homepage. One's a tweet from a guy who says, I swear code wars is better than college <laughs> and another tweet the a message that says, I forgot to eat dinner cause I was on code wars. This is addictive. Yeah. And it is. And and that, that's, some,
0: that's some pretty cool thing. So, yeah. um, so basically this month, January, we want people just to do those two things. And then if you see some tweets coming out from us, um, please just, you know, retweet them as well. So I'll put this in the, in the chat up here for everyone watching and it'll be in the show notes as well but if you guys can uh you know you guys can do that hopefully we can get it added to that and then if it doesn't work (laughs) then we've got some other options going forward too like i said me and michael are going to build um a little app so it's going to be basically a little cold box app it's going to have test box installed in it it's going to have a set of tests and we're going to have a model cfc in it and so you basically can do a ForgeBox install and then um, install that that module we're gonna build. And then inside the models folder, there'll be a CFC for the week. So it'll be like, um, you know, challenge uh, CFML challenge February, 2020 or whatnot. And so inside there will be an a open function. And then you have to basically get the test to pass. So you'll run the test using the test box. And then you're you'll basically, to basically
1: describing it. how exorcism works yeah, they have their basically. own they have their own cli and you like run a command that like pulls down the next problem it, you know it dumps in like the model and the tests and the description and the you know the, the test runner is all built into it
0: yep i just thought cool. if we had it as a module later on if someone wants to like get up and running with cold they can just download this module um, and then, you know, basically go in there and work through just a code of style and, and do that. So obviously it'd be great to have it on Code Wars. So we're going to add friends and you can see everyone's progress and see solutions and everything. But at worst case, uh, me and Michael are going to build this little, you know, sample app and that way people get to see, oh, this is a cold box app. Here's the tests. This is how they wrote the tests. Here's the CFCs and models. You know, this is how it runs and, and we'll, we'll, I thought it'd be kind of cool that we can add some integrations into the little module too. So when you're done with your test, you can run a command um, to create a gist on your GitHub account and then tweet about it saying you're finished. And that way people can go check out the gist and check out your code and see. So that's what me and Michael are gonna try and create in our live coding sessions over the next few weeks. So hopefully in February, we can do that, what?
1: I'm just correcting your grammar over here. I said Michael oh, and I. Yeah. So I'm digging this Code Wars little site. I clicked the little like sign up mm-hmm. and it it pops up a little uh, screen that says, you no, know, choose a language. And as I I clicked JavaScript and it said, here's some code that doesn't execute. Try to figure out why. And it was just a function that was missing the return statement. Mm-hmm. And so I added in the return and clicked submit and it showed the test passing. It was like, Okay, you pass the initiation, and then it gives me the little thing to sign up. That's a, that's a pretty cool little thing. And it's also yeah. cleverly like a captcha at the same yeah. time. <laughs> Robots wouldn't be able to get past that. I like that. I wonder if they give you the same little uh, thing every time. I, I thought
0: I saw the same one when I was looking through today before I clicked sign in, but it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. And like I said, I like Code walls. I think it'd be good to get it added there, and then we can have a sort of a community thing. And so, but so if you guys yeah. can help if, us. Just you know, It'd buck nice them a little the
1: bit. The guys let you help add languages.
0: I think they must have a system because the same question is added in like seventeen different languages. You know, so the same question, yeah. you could just add the language. So if it's done that way there's um, got to be some ui for it i'm sure there's some config we'll have to do to help get Command the box, problem CLI with sites up.
1: that just create their own content is they never want to screw with languages like cold fusion if they don't think there's a demand for but
0: have it. you seen how many languages listed there there's a lot and there's some ones in there i was like um what they the have heck?
1: quite a few and then they have additional languages that are currently in beta um yeah. which is interesting objective c lua OCaml, scala kotlin groovy ethereum Ethereum, even a language? I thought that was a a blockchain Bitcoin thing or something.
0: That's what I'm saying. There's some weird stuff in there. Erlang,
1: R, Nim, BF. Come on, people. Like, ColdFusion is more freaking popular than like half of these.
0: That's what I'm saying. So let's make (laughs) a little noise, you know, bug them a little bit. And then hopefully, then they see my email and I'll I'll email them again. We'll try and. uh, Get us added to code wars and then we can have a little leaderboard and we could you know do it that way and we can go and see who's who's got a solution and for hopefully in the future months maybe that's something you can do we'll just go look at the question <clears> of the month go see who solved it and check out their solutions and uh, as long as it's not terrible we'll uh <laughs> we'll okay. it. so but so
1: can other people see the solutions yeah, oh, for if the you, code war
0: stuff. You can just click the solution on it without doing it, but obviously that's cheating. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean,
1: I was thinking what I like about this kind of stuff is it can also kind of work as a, you know, a public showcase of modern CFML, which mm-hmm. is largely why I put a bunch of work into the exorcism stuff, is because I wanted to like you know have people come look at it and you know they see no not a tag in sight. You know, it's all script. It's all CLI. It's all like, oh, wow, this is what ColdFusion looks like. And you're like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. So I need to look at the XSIM stuff. I know you've done it. I had a quick look, but obviously not well enough. But this is a good UI in the browser. You don't need any special tools to do it. Everything runs in it. So it's, it's pretty neat. So that's the coding challenge for the month. What we're going to do is randomly pick one person out of all the people who do those three things. So,
1: so you have to do all three of them.
0: Yep. So email them, tweet yourself, and then just retweet other people so I already sent out my first tweet for the day so if you guys see it uh, I did oh. it does have oh. modernizer die and uh, cold fusion and CFML in the hashtag so you should be able to see it and retweet it but then also tweet it yourself and then email them to just say hey we really want CFML in there
1: well, um, I'm going to send this tweet
0: so anyways
1: I don't see your tweet
0: you don't see it? Maybe, maybe it got blocked I don't know, I don't know. I'm looking anyway. at my,
1: my Hootsuite list that filters and anything with the word cold fusion. Well,
0: um, CFML jobs, we have uh, quite a few jobs posted this last week. I guess everyone's um, back in the office getting trying to get some people in their team. So we have 22 yeah. positions available on getcfmilejobs.com from 20 companies, 15 locations in five countries.
1: Look how that jumped up.
0: Yep, so there's a full-time ColdFusion software developer for Zakaya Technologies in La Plata um, MD. And so they're looking for three Cold Fusion developers. So they want seven plus years of Cold Fusion, Oracle, SQL, et cetera.
1: Is La Plata Spanish for the Plata? Just I'm not sure. Don't ask him for a friend.
0: Don't ask the Don't ask the foreigner. <laughs> we don't even have Mexican food over there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> in new zealand t- yeah you can, well actually you know what they do have some tortillas chips now and they have some tortillas and tacos stuff but it's hard man i made some made some uh enchiladas and stuff but it was hard to find the ingredients and went to a couple of Mexican restaurants they're okay but not great um, go to but, new
1: zealand for hot mexican food that's what we're saying no,
0: go to, go get meat pies fish and chips that's what you need to get that's but uh I am but cold there's fusion also
1: software engineer oh this is we mentioned this one the other day the webstaurant store yep it's like it's, web and restaurant had a baby and it was the webstaurant store tampa florida
0: yep so looking for cold fusion version 9 plus uh, experience uh, multiple on-site openings apparently so uh go check mm. that one out if you're in the area and then there's a senior developer um for us max corporation in uh national west virginia um, seven plus years, Cold Fusion, Oracle DB,
1: etc. For a second, I thought it said Cold Fusion Seven Plus, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, oh, no, seven plus years. Yep. So, so, anyone with twenty-seven years experience can get in the door.
0: Sounds great. <laughs> and there's also a couple of positions in India too. So, junior software developer, um, Cold Fusion developer for Isomation Technologies in Ahmedabad, um, Gujarat, India.
1: Yeah, I'm, I have no idea.
0: I yeah, mean, ever and then senior uh, developer, bad. yeah, Hyderabad, Hyderabad, Dad. <laughs> so there's a senior developer position for Neovatic Technologies Private Limited in Hyderabad, Telangana, <laughs> India. Sorry, guys, I'm terrible with geography. Yeah, we assume if you're words. from there,
1: you know how to say that stuff, so you can find it.
0: <laughs> yeah, again, all those five jobs are listed up on GetSafeMyJobs.com, and they're on Twitter as well. Good so, stuff. Cool, so let's talk about the Forgebox module of the week. And this one's one from Sam Knowlton. He's in the spotlight today. You just put this one out. Yes, this is a brand new one. It's the WK HTML to PDF um, module. And so it's a CFML cold box wrapper for the WK HTML to PDF uh, Docker image. And so um, Brian, is it? Girardelli. I always get it. I always say his name wrong. Sorry about that, Brian. But I'm um, from Motorsports Ridge, um, they've got the Docker um, WK HTML to PDF service, and so if you have that running, oh, um, I didn't catch
1: that he was the one who had created that.
0: Well, he he forked it, and made some changes to it, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So um, their motorsport um, site does a lot of traffic, a lot of a uh, lot of great work
1: what, there. What what was the uh- Brian's blog had always had a picture of like an orange race car. Well, this is a blog back in the day. I'm
0: not sure, but I mean, yeah, he used to I'm speak at know. CF objective. Uh, that's where I met him and everything. And, um, but anyway, so he created the, the, the fork of that Docker service. And then Sam and them have basically built this, uh, this wrapper for ColdBox. Cause as it states in the description, after years of wrestling with CF document years. from Adobe and Lucy, we centralize, I'll convert this to PDF functions using a, a WK, WK HTML to PDF Docker container based on this re- repo. So the module does is provide a friendly interface to the API for that <clears throat> service. The module does not create, contain the utility or any conversion by itself. You have to be running it as a service to do any good. But uh, it's brand new. Yeah, it was uploaded so just a couple of days ago. They've only got a few installs so far, but they're using it. Uh, and you know, and Sam Nolton works for a couple of. They got a couple of um, products, and one of them is In League, which is their their sporting platform. They do a lot of work with the soccer, uh, AYSO, and, and and stuff. But they also um. um have a I think is a a registration app
1: for a private schooling systems in New York. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they have yeah, a lot I mean, of things. I there. think the the important note is that it doesn't wrap the PDF service itself because um, the the WK HTML to PDF isn't a Java based uh, isn't a Java based library. I think it might actually run Node or something. It's some probably kind of like Node separate thing. um So the thing is, like, if you're running Adobe ColdFusion and you're wanting to use the CF HTML to PDF tag, you already have to install the HTML to PDF service as, like, a separate service in a separate Docker container. Mm -hmm. Um, So this assumes you can just deploy this nice little Docker container and then it's a a ColdFusion-based wrapper for it. But what's nice is I... uh, Oh, Go, Sam says. Uh, Mm -hmm. What's nice is I I'd asked Sam in Slack. I would said, you know, can you scale... The uh the PDF service and he said yeah so if if you deploy a Docker service um that's you know got one or more of these Docker containers you can scale that up as much as much as you want and then you just point your code to the you know the ingress network of whatever that that Docker service is so it gives you a lot of flexibility and you can have the exact same thing between Adobe or Lucy so it's kind of a cool little little uh, service I like that
0: yeah and a lot of people when they move from you know adobe over to lucy they they don't like the differences and i know we have the oldest commercial extension for the the pdf functionality which a lot of people are using and that does you know cover a lot of the gaps but this is something else out there that's pretty good um and yeah it's yeah
1: What sam was i'd also mentioned is this lets you shrink down the size of your cold fusion containers because um, he's saying right now in the chat, they have like 14 to 15 CFML containers and every single one of those containers has the Lucy engine, including all the extensions and the PDF extension. So they're able to strip the PDF extension out of all their CFML containers and just extract it and you know push it off to the side of these you know separate uh, PDF containers that are just dedicated to the PDF tasks. And he says um, he's
0: got one 300 meg container that he runs for the all 15 CFML engines. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool.
0: And uh, Scott did also mention that uh, he's worked with <coughs> WKA HTML before, and he says it has hard time with uh, numbers. But and he recommends Flying Saucer. It's pretty good too. See, so Flying and Saucer then, is what Lucy has now, which is Java based. Yeah, and so and Sam responded, "Flying Saucer is pretty good, but choked on some conversions from a third party provider when we had no control over the source or whatever." And mm-hmm. he says. So, so you know, there's there's some out there, but it's, this is a cool solution. A nice wrapper is already built for you. The Docker service is already there. So, if you guys are looking for something, definitely try it out. This is a, a nice module to to get up and running with it. So,
1: yep, yeah, because uh, Sam just mentioned they're uh, they're using Lucy Light um, for their containers right now. Um, so Lucy Light is Lucy with zero extensions, and then they just piecemeal add back in only the extensions they need, as opposed to starting with the full um, you know, Lucy, uh, set of extensions and then trying to pull out the ones you don't need. So,
0: yeah. And they're saying that the one 300 main container for WK, uh, a PDF is pretty cool. Uh, obviously <coughs> CF containers are not that small, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not.
0: but, uh, but yeah, but much smaller since you Bigger is better, There's right?
1: Light. Not when it comes to Docker.
0: Yep, exactly. So that's pretty cool. So I saw that, and actually Andrew Davis uh, zapped me that one in the link. So check this out. So pretty cool. So next on our list, we have our VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week. And so this one's a pretty cool little um, extension. It's called Surround. So what this allows you to do is to select code in your template, and basically using snippet-style setup, Wrap stuff around them. So if you got a bit of code and you want to comment it out, you know, you can obviously use the shortcut to comment it. But this will allow you to sit a comment. Or maybe you want to put a try catch around something. You can just say, you know, do your your shortcut to bring up your power menu in VS Code, and you can say uh, wrap it in an if else or try catch, or you know, if you want to do an array dot each, an item dot each, or whatever. There's all these different shortcuts.
1: And what languages does it support? Because I'm looking at their little animated GIF here. And um, example, they're editing a JavaScript file and it's all JavaScript-specific syntaxes.
0: Yeah, so I'm not sure about that, but I, I noticed that most of the functions were pretty good for Fusion, because obviously scripts for JavaScript and ColdFusion script is pretty close. So um, and I don't know, but it says it's fully customizable. So I'm not sure if that means you can, you know, edit uh, the existing
1: you... ones and
0: tell it what you want, give it a new name. So you oh, might yeah, it looks the...
1: like it is. I'm looking at some of these examples here. So you provide the snippet and then you can say insert the selected text right in here yeah uh, so i was thinking that would be pretty neat for
0: you know if we wanted to make one for test box you could add some test box ones you could wrap stuff and describe blocks
1: or whatever and you know all that type of I mean, stuff luis has some stuff in the the vs code test box extension that will like insert like a bdd spec or whatever yeah but so i'm not sure <clears throat> if it handles things like where you select text and say You know wrap this
0: yeah i'm just saying like i'm thinking it'd be good for a lot of different stuff we could add a few of those in there just to be convenient but just you know try catches and stuff somebody
1: needs to make a cfml version of this yeah
0: and um, it just looked really neat, so I thought I would share it with everybody. So it's got almost 18,000 installs. So it's not a hugely popular one, but um,
1: it's pretty neat. It only has 18,000. It's it's a pile of crap. I wouldn't even use it. 18,000. Well, some of the what other ones that we've
0: shared have just like... I mean, like millions.
1: I know, and that that, that therein lies the joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fact that eighteen thousand installs is considered a small number when it comes.
0: Yeah, if it was to a CF plugin and it had more joke. than eighteen, it would be huge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, <I'm laughs> like this one has twenty-seven installs. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: pretty crazy, but yeah. So that's the VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. Uh, again, nice little thing. It's called Surround
1: and i will share the link since brad probably can't copy paste right now oh i i switched over to the Ordis user so i could copy and paste by the way something scott steinbeck said earlier i had to moderate it because youtube withheld it oh that's right there wasn't even a link in it no he was just talking about um that flying
0: saucer could do uh something where you know um the plot twist
1: plot twist youtube has arrangements with certain pdf libraries to censor live stream chat comments about libraries that they don't want to push crazy <laughs> crazy <laughs> crazy well we're at the end of the show notes gavin does that mean we have to stop
0: well we got to thank our patreon supporters because uh mm. without them we wouldn't be able to do all the cool things we're doing with for the more you support and us the more we make
1: fun of you in the podcast it's yep. true
0: exactly so um Thankfully, uh, with all the support, we're doing you know good things with Command Box and Forge Box, and uh, we get to share that with everybody. And 100% of your your sponsorship for that goes towards our open source project. So that pays for Brad to play with Command Box. I mean, work Show on Command plan. Box.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, did I say play?
0: So thank you, Andrew Davis, Brian White, Calvin Steden, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Ballinger, Didia, Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, John Farrar, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Lex Tirahadi, Matthew Comente, Richard Herbert, Samuel Knowlton, Scott Steinbeck, Vijay, and Yogesh Smith uh, Again, we really appreciate all your help. If you'd like to become a, uh, a Patreon sponsor, you can go to autosolutions.com slash us uh, slash sponsors, and then you can uh, look at how to sponsors there.
1: But what if we did the Patreon supporters and like the like movie guy trailer voice? You know, in a world where no Patreon supporters exist, I don't know. Just yeah, every week we could mix it up. Sorry, <laughs> Scott Steinbeck, Yogesh Mathur. We could. We'd hire someone to come in and, and do him. Get the, who, who was the guy who did like the the Halo headshot. Uh, little no voices.
0: Idea.
1: I thought it was some like old dude who did that. I don't know, we could try and get the. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll have that in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, we could always get a.
0: Was it this guy who did the? Oh, CF James Hour.
1: Allen used to do the intro for CF Hour. Yeah, James. You're Allen. listening to CF Hour. Yeah. I don't know. I can't really do the James Allen, but. I know weird accents, bro. We have enough we have enough talent <laughs> in the in the CFML community. We can make it happen. Yeah.
0: I know. We can get someone to re record the intro and outro too so you don't have to hear me talking the whole time. <laughs> Your names and silly accents. Yeah. Pretty good. So um one over comment real quick before we go. So it looks like Adrian was asking about if uh, the WK HTML to PDF can support JavaScript and stuff. And so basically, Sam said you give HTML either raw HTML or URL and it executes it, but he doesn't think it executes the JavaScript though. That's a good question. Um, the module doesn't care about that stuff. It's all up to that. I know. Uh, Scott's done a lot of stuff with mapping and mapping requires JavaScript to be fully rendered before doing that. So I'm sure he's got something to say about that, but I'm sure there's a setting on in the, the WKHTML on how much time you give it, but what a lot of those WK ones K are pretty stand smi- for?
1: I, I need to know what the WK stands for. It'd be going to be an explanation for this. Also, I really want to know does does HTML to PDF solve world hunger? Just, I'm gonna throw that one out there. If it prints money, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just causes inflation. Uh. Oh, come, come on, people! I'm gonna have to go to the Wikipedia page. Wikipedia always has answers for this kind of stuff. Yep. So, as Scott mentioned, Puppeteer does. Um,
0: Puppeteer is a pretty cool service too. That you know handles JavaScript and stuff. But, anyways. Cool, cool. So I guess there's a JavaScript delay you can use if you want to wait so long for JavaScript to function, and you can also do a, enable JavaScript for that too. So that's what Adrian's found out. But yeah, oh, yeah. WebKit. I think WK oh. might stand for WebKit. Oh, that makes sense because it's using the Chrome WebKit underneath, probably headless Chrome. Yeah. To, to do the it.
1: WK and WKHTMLPDF stands for WebKit, which is the browser engine used to render the HTML and JavaScript. There you go. There we go we learned something today the more you know
0: but yeah end of the day as scott says pdf generation sucks these tools are making it bitter <laughs> so
1: uh definitely try them out so scott and i battled a lot of pdf generation we made the uh the command box cli the module to export a pdf into or i'm sorry a git book into a pdf he did all the crazy stuff with page numbers which he actually, we worked around a bunch of Lucy bugs wah, 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 uh, by using some really cool CSS hacks that Flying Saucer supported. I didn't even know you could do like page numbers with CSS is pretty cool stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: That's a uh, that's
1: good extension. We did stuff. I didn't even know. Was, well, I say we Scott did stuff. I don't even know was possible. Like in our Gitbook exporter, uh, that we made, we have like a table of contents that says, you know, like this chapter starts on this page number and he does some like crazy wicked CSS nonsense that like figures out what page a certain, you know, header tag is on and it like injects it in the table of contents. It's
0: pretty oh, interesting stuff. So.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Scott solves some pretty cool problems. A smart guy. So, yep. But don't, well, don't say that out loud. He'll get a big
1: head. That's okay. He's not listening anymore. I already booted him from the channel. <laughs> Well, this massacre is named the funny accent next week to bring him back down to size anyway. So uh, Steinbeck.
0: So, yep. So that's uh, the first episode of 2020 in the bag. So uh, happy new year, everybody. Uh, Good luck for 2020 and we'll see you next week. Adios. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audience.